I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot you know the guides have said you know we show up at this masquerade party and these choices of how we're going to show up i'm going to be the princess i'm going to be the policeman or the clown we're all in our costumes having these experiences and you know what they're saying is truthfully that the masquerade is ending that the idea of sort of operating at that level is something that we're actually moving beyond because that level of of agreement seems to be born in separation or an agreement to separation. Now let the magic begin. Hello and Jai Ma, Jai Ma, it's Raquel here. And happy, happy Roaring Twenties. What the hell? We're like living in a new existence in time, a new portal. So I feel like noting this, that whether you started your first week with fire or it started rather slow, you know, just went at your own pace. You were either a hare or a turtle or uh, maybe, maybe there really hasn't been a change in your eyes. It's still pretty much the same, same, same. Regardless, I know that this will be your best year yet in many ways. No matter what life throws at you, it will. Trust me on that. I mean, you happen to be a listener of this podcast, and I know that this podcast really only attracts souls who are either curious about or truly fascinated with going deeper, deeper within themselves and also beyond the physical and tapping into universal knowings, your inner knowings. I'm going to pretend knowings is a word and just allow you to expand your consciousness in many ways or also like my guests guides have talked about in their new book and what they'll share with us today continue to raise yourself up the octave scale and 
live in the upper room <laughs> which you're probably like what the hell are you talking about so more on that when we get into the combo anyway i am so honored the fact that this conversation happened the start of my new year by the way like what okay hi 2020 is already looking pretty good I must say because I'm honored and so grateful to have this specific guest on and he'll share his story and journey with channeling in a moment but I'll just introduce him Paul Selig so Paul he receives these clairaudient dictations from his guides who use him as a vessel to well channel and to write his best-selling books which I mean, if you're a spiritual book nerd like myself, you've probably heard of I Am The Word and The Book of Mastery and one that I've been reading for months now and I'll take my time with it. It is The Book of Love and Creation and so many more. Plus, they, and when I say they, I'm referring to Paul and his guides. So they just released a major, major soul expanding book that will really open your eyes and your consciousness which is called beyond the known realization which is a channel text of course i mean i've been listening to it while i drive and i also bought the book as well reading some parts too because i like to buy the book and listen listen if it's a channeled book there are certain books where i just would rather read certain books i would rather listen to i think that it's more of an intuitive knowing like i'll enjoy this more if i read it i'll enjoy this more if i listen to it but for this one i felt the nudge to actually get both and i'm happy that i did um, because i love to listen to how they share this information through him and then also read parts of it that really intrigue me so I can grasp it on another level. And yeah, any more info on how you want to connect with Paul or if you're interested in getting his books. He also has channel readings most every Wednesday, retreats, workshops, and another book on the way. Also, if you share this on your Instagram, I'm gonna do what I did with the Ainsley book. Share this on your Instagram story and I will enter you for the giveaway, which I'm going to give two people Paul's book, Beyond the Known Realization, just for simply sharing this on your Instagram story, story to spread the message and as a thank you from me for spreading the message. And those who won the Ainsley book will be listed on today's story, as in Monday's, so check that out. But heads up, we're both using computer microphones, so it's not going to sound as crystal clear as I'm sounding right now, which is obviously how I prefer audio quality. But hey, what matters is that you hear the message, and I'm sure you can get past the sound quality if you are a sound quality connoisseur. <laughs> also, the Your Own Magic website, yourownmagic.life, has been renovated this week and you know it's still in the works but I'm just gonna keep it up and running and I just wanted you to know that I'm excited to share four new meditations that are coming out Monday through Thursday plus some new soul tune in journalings and rituals this week too and also for those who wanted the $4.44 per month option back well it is back for ya <laughs> or you can choose the one-time payment of $44.40 USD that is a mouthful so feel free to check it out at yourownmagic.life click on the member access in the upper right corner or the sign up in the lower right corner and just allow yourself the space 
to <laughs> to be and listen to whatever resonates whatever your soul is ignited by at this time and also one of our sponsors just had a renovation as well i'm loving the new logo uh, like half a year ago barely use it because the iphone has been doing wonders <laughs> so i'm interested in that anyways Feel free to join Skillshare for two months for free when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. That's two months for free at Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. And one of our sponsors just had a renovation too. I'm loving the new logo for Skillshare, by the way. So this is what they want you to know for 2020 as they are encouraging you here to move your creative journey forward and also explore new skills with one of their thousands of classes. I mean, if you're not familiar with Skillshare, well, they offer short classes from illustration, photography, freelancing even, more on that. There's gonna be a mid-ad roll with Skillshare as well, and I'll tell you about the class that I was diving into, which is interesting because it has to do with the iPhone. Anyway, enhance a skill and join Skillshare, their premium membership for free for two months. That's right, free. When you go to Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. That's two months premium membership for free at Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. All right, so I wanna keep these intros under 10 minutes. That is my goal. So with all that being said, relax and enjoy the opening as you listen. And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Paul Selleck. <laughs> well, this has been an interview I've been looking forward to for quite some time as I've been listening to your work and with your guides and especially during this period of my life it's been something that keeps me grounded and in tune and feels more connected to my soul and reminds me a lot of things that I think I was rebelling against so I deeply appreciate everything that you do and who you are and what you offer and the fact that you even have the courage to present this information to the world. And so I honor you for that. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Paul Selig and the guides, first let's talk Paul though. Would love to hear some of your story and then how the channeling came about. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, I was raised sort of an atheist. I didn't know what a spiritual life was or that one could have one or why one would want one. And I hit a wall in my life when I was 25. I was about a year out of graduate school at Yale. I had a list of things that I thought I needed to achieve that would make me okay in the world. I got the whole list. I wasn't okay. And really out of sheer necessity, I began to look for something more. Um, that was the beginning. I had a, an experience shortly, you know, thereafter in my 25th year of energy. People said it sounded like a spontaneous Kundalini awakening or Shaktipa. I really don't know what it was. I just may have been hyperventilating, but it was an experience of energy moving through my body. And I started seeing the lights around people after that. 
And then I ended up studying a form of energy healing to get a context for what I was beginning to open up to, which I had no context for at all. And I was volunteering at a center in New York City for people that were living with life-challenging illness. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic, um, and New York was very badly hit. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I began to hear things for them. So I was opening up as a clairaudient without knowing what one was. And as a clairsentient, be able to feel what was going on with other people. And then I began a little group that met in my apartment, and it met for about 18 years where I was channeling. I began, and it continued, and it continued to progress until the guides were, were lecturing through me, which took some time. I wasn't interested in the information that was coming through me. I was interested in the energy because it was very palpable. And I liked being in the energy with other people because we could validate one another's experience. So that was how it began. And in about 2008, they began to lecture through me full force. And um, in 2009, began to dictate books. So they've done, there's six, seven, eight that are complete. The eighth will be out this summer. Yeah, alchemy. It's coming out, yeah. And, um, you know, all of the books are the unedited transcripts of, of the sessions that the guides do. The last few books were dictated entirely in public before students. Um, through most of that period, I had another life. I was an academic. I taught at New York University and ran a graduate program at a small liberal arts college in Vermont. And um, I was doing this work very quietly. I didn't really look to be known for it. And um, now it's what I do. I show up, I close my eyes, and I hear. And I work, you know, mostly as a channel, sometimes as a psychic as well. And and that's what my life has strangely become. Wow. And do you work with the same guides all the time? Well, when I, yeah, as far as I can tell, yeah. I mean, it's a familiar energy. It's a familiar vocabulary. Mm-hmm. They know me. And, you know, I don't see them. There's one that I see on occasion. Wow. I feel them, you know, and I understand the texture of the energy and the word choices, which is familiar at this point when it comes through. When it comes through, does it come through like a thought or do they take over your vocals? No, I'm not a trance medium. I mean, there are times when I'm channeling directly. There's a lot of physical stuff that does happen. My eyes supposedly turn bright blue very often when I channel and I have hazel eyes. Wow. But no, I, I describe it as a thought that comes to the front of my mind um, and the rest of my mind recedes. I climb into the back seat of the car. So, and it's got its own quality and it interrupts. It comes through as an interruption of my own thoughts with its own, you know, distinct vibration. It's quite physical for me, you know, while it's happening. Um, I don't sit or move like I do. My body is used, you know, in ways that it's not, that are not normal to me. But um, yeah, that's the process, you know, and it's been pretty much the process for quite some time. Wow. It just dawned on me that the channelers that I'm truly drawn to the most actually weren't ever seeking it. Like yourself, they, it just happened. Yeah, I didn't really even necessarily believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, when I was a graduate student, 
And I thought it was really interesting. Mm. I think it left a mark on me, but I wasn't seeking out this kind of stuff until I began to open up and then I was aware of it, but I still was and still can be suspicious of, of channeling. Um, I just know what my own experience of it is. And I always have to say, you know, at this point, you know, no matter how well-spoken I might be, I just don't think it's humanly possible that I can close my eyes and dictate eight books that don't require editing. It just happens. <laughs> it happens consistently and publicly. And, you know, and that's my work. I don't understand when people say they want a channel. I don't get it. Truthfully, I don't know why people would want to do this. It's true channeling, I think, is a form of stenography. You're, you're relaying information. You're serving as the medium for information. It's not, it's not terribly sexy. If you look at a court stenographer and they sit there and they're typing everything, that's kind of what it is, except I'm speaking at all. And, um, you know, when I work psychically, I, you know, I'm a radio. That's how I describe it. So when I'm channeling, I'm tuned into the station that the guides come through on and they come through the radio that I seem to be. And when I'm reading for people, I tune into them as if they're the station. Mm. So they call me a medium for the living. Because I can, like, if you're, you're not talking to your sister, I can step into your sister. I might start to resemble her and I can hear, you know, I can sort of broker a conversation in a higher way. And it's usually, you know, very accurate and provable and you know i've been filmed doing it but you know that's a little more interesting sometimes because you get immediate feedback yeah. tune into your sister you said oh my god you look just like her i go good i'm there you know with the channeling what you get is an enormous amount of information that builds and builds and builds one book upon the next and the energy which is very palpable for most people and so that has its own experience but Channeling is, is, is odd. I mean, you know, being a radio, I don't know. You, don't, you know, the radio doesn't always get to dance to the music. You know, you're so busy picking up, the, picking up the station. So that's my experience with it. Others may be very different. Um, others are probably different, but at the same time, it is such a beautiful gift, I believe, that you do have. And yeah, I understand why you would think, why would some people try to seek this? But it's something because we're curious about whatever lies beyond the physical and being able to connect with that directly. And I think there are many ways that people do and can do that. Channeling is, you know, I, I, I tend to draw a little bit of a line of distinction between channeling and inspiration. And I think inspiration is great. And inspired thought or, or gifted inspirational moments or gifted art or poetry or anything I think is all really valuable. The thing with channeling, which I think is a little different is, it's just what it is, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't change any words. And, you know, when I hear when people say, well, you don't, you don't edit it. And I hear, well, it's not mine to edit. You mm -hmm. know, they're not my words. I'm a collaborator. I think there are about three words changed in a book on average. Those are usually words that I misspoke because I was speaking so fast or stumbled over. And the transcriptionist can usually find them in the recording because I have this odd quirk where I whisper the words on a transmission and then I repeat them in a louder voice so people can hear. It's kind of like reading fortune cookies, one after the next, after the next. What's amazing also is that uh, what 
your guides have been channeling through you because I've read some older texts of other channeled work and everything, even though the languaging is slightly different, it's all very parallel what the messaging is. And it's very clear that your guides are strategically just for our human minds to conceive and understand in a linear fashion what, mm-hmm. um, as we continue to evolve and ascend, what information we need to know right now. So mm-hmm. the information that you are delivering for this recent book, Beyond the Known Realization, indeed needed to come after the other books because yeah. A, where we've evolved. I mean, I would not have understood a word of it a while ago. And then B, also just because it kind of piggybacks off the next. So I think it's very interesting that your guides also strategically it seems even though they don't probably have a strategy but they just know they just know how to deliver to humans so we can understand this i hope so you know i don't know that i could have brought through the recent teachings a couple of years ago i don't think i would have but it would have been too hard mm. for me they're they're stretching us in terms of what's possible and they're doing it with an energy that we can work with an experience which for me makes a difference because then it stops being theoretical and it starts being something that you can almost you know quantify have an experience of that's very palpable which i'm appreciative of mm-hmm. but it's true they they're good teachers i have to say that they they seem to know their subject and i i i'm i'm hoping this is still true but i really don't think that in all of these books they've ever contradicted themselves you know they're very consistent in their message and i sometimes think that the DNA of all of the teachings may be found in the very first book and that they've been unpacking what their intention was in, in gradation, you know, in sort of up until, you know, now alchemy, how matter is transformed through consciousness. I mean, that's what they're teaching now. And um, yeah, it's trippy stuff, um, but it makes sense given, you know, the background that they've established, the foundation for their teaching, which has been, to support us and go into this place that they call beyond the known or beyond what the collective agreements have been to what is possible and who we may be realized as beyond who we think we are, which the guides say is what they call the small self. Mm-hmm. And the small self, the small self is a place where humans all most all reside, but what is beyond the small self? Because when I hear small self, I just think, oh, that's my small self, that's ego, but perhaps I am just the small self of the creator. I'm curious how you distinguish it. Well, I mean, I, you know, they talk about it a lot. I don't think there's anything wrong with the small self. I think it's the personality structure. The challenge I understand is that we assume ourselves to be the personality structure um, which is an aspect of who we are, but it's not the, the totality of it. So the personality, as I understand it, is made from a lot of data, you know, where we were born, how we were raised, you know, the culture of birth, the religious influences, all of the cultural stuff that we, you know, are, are in agreement to. The guides say the true self is the eternal self, the one that exists behind the mask of, of personality. And what they're doing is they're supporting us in a realization, they say, of who and what we truly are, which is a manifestation of the divine. I I say this sometimes in interviews, but 
And I always have to say I'm 99.9% sure I heard this in channel. It was when I was in my early 30s when I was first opening up and I was struggling. And it's something that I didn't understand, but now it makes perfect sense. And I heard freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king, which at the time made no sense. And now it makes perfect sense, which is really who sits in the throne. The guides say the small self rules a small kingdom. You know, and the true self, the divine self, bears witness to what they call the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Now, their interpretation of what that means, because it's not a religious teaching, is the realization of the inherent divine in all manifestation, the substance that creates matter. That there is, they say there is one note being played in the entire universe, and everything we see is an articulation of that tone in varying, you know, decibels and varying tones of oscillation or vibration. That's how I understand it. So the true self, the aspect of self that knows who it is, who he or she is, that happens to be expressed as, you know, Raquel or as Paul or as anybody, you know, the divine that has come as you, is who witnesses the divine that's inherent in all manifestation. The personality self, which is moored in the idea of separation, is unable to do that, does the best it can, you know. And, you know, it's what we came to learn through. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's an idea. They say the personality structure is finally, it's an idea of who we are. It's not the truth of who we are. It's the commerce that we use to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And to survive, well, how we think we need to survive in this world. Because sometimes I think about this and I'm like, well, if I wanted to completely unpeel or unlayer all these parts of Raquel and just see my truth, which, by the way, you have that beautiful prayer where we can feel it for maybe even a millisecond. <laughs> Would that be as colorful and vibrant and fun? Or does my soul want to have this human experience and this personality to just experience? I think both are true. You know, I don't think that we, I don't know this. I mean, I I could ask the guys, I don't know if I I should be channeling on your show because I've got a cold, but it it may happen. (laughs) But I don't, I don't think, I think it's just a case of misidentification. Mm-hmm. You know, the guides have said, you know, we show up at this masquerade party and these choices of how we're going to show up. I'm going to be the princess. I'm going to be the policeman or the clown. We're all in our costumes having these experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what they're saying is, truthfully, that the masquerade is ending. That the idea of sort of operating at that level is something that we're actually moving beyond. Because that level of, of agreement seems to be born in separation or an agreement to separation. Now, our individual uniqueness, you know, is present, but, you know, the snowflake, um, you know, is of the snowstorm. The drop of water is of the ocean. It's remembering the commonality and experience that begins to, I believe, shift us out of fear. In the, the mandate of fear is separation. They say we've gone so far in believing that we're separate from one another, you know, that we've claimed separation from the source of all things as well. That seems to be what they're working with us on. Mm, that makes sense why they care to share this information, because I was always also wondering, 
why are guides even here to deliver this? Why does it matter? I mean, I've they in the very first book, which was called I Am the Word, mm-hmm. was 10 years ago now, which is astonishing to me. Wow. Um, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. And what's been created in fear needs to be renowned or reseen or lifted to a higher truth, you know. They say that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And we really have gone so far in this that we've created the potential for our own destruction. You know, I don't get that that's going to happen. But I do hear from the guides, well, if you want to learn from that, you can. You can learn through anything, including blowing yourselves up. So hopefully we won't do that. Um, So I do feel that they have an investment in our development um, they've described themselves in many ways, but one of my favorite descriptions that they've used is, you know, we are who you become when you know who you are, you know, which is mm-hmm. the divine self, you know, operating without fear, you know, so we shall see. We are who you become when you know who you are. Yeah. Whew. This is one of those deals where it's like, why would you not take advantage of it? I mean, you'll get two yoga leggings for $24. Not a bad deal. And they are from, of course, one of your own magic longtime supporters and sponsors, Fabletics. Now, Fabletics is basically a library, a Netflix of yoga clothes, and they are offering new styles all the time. I can't even keep up. Their bottoms are leggings, capris. They've got joggers with high quality fabrics and many different prints. And then of course you have your sports bras, which there are a wide range. I'm the type that needs high impact support, even if I'm just walking, because I am very well endowed in that region. And Their high-impact bras have been so comfortable. I'm very picky when it comes to my sports bras. They even have some that offer pockets. One of their tops that I'm really into right now that is just so cute is the Marissa Thai tank top. So, And if you have a VIP membership, instead of paying $29.95, you pay $14.97. So that's what I like about Fabletics as well as they offer this VIP members program. When my membership dollars add up, not only do I have this savings that goes towards my clothes, but I also get 50% off of those clothes. And so suddenly I'm purchasing a whole bunch of new yoga clothes for a very affordable price that look really cute and feel really good. (laughs) So... If you're interested, indeed, check out fabletics.com forward slash magic to receive $24 off your first two leggings and save loads every month on new yoga clothes sent directly to your door. That's fabletics.com forward slash magic. Also, when it comes to fear, I thought that was interesting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong in how I read this, but when they were talking about fear, they were mentioning how we have created this idea of fear in a sense because we acknowledge it and that it exists. So we validate its existence because yeah. we're 
bringing it into our awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore it does. Mm -hmm. So that means some humans, if they don't validate it or just don't even acknowledge its existence, wouldn't even experience it. I know they have talked about this. I don't remember the quotes, but they're interesting. And I'm, I'm just finishing up next week, a live stream series about fear where they've really been attacking this stuff about fear, which is interesting to me. But they say, you know, the collective is entrenched in fear, the collective feel that we operate through. I mean, you know, the New Agers like to say, well, you create everything. And my guides say, well, yes, but you're also part of a collective that is creating. And the collective field needs to be understood. So when they say the action of fear is to claim more fear, and they say, look at every choice you've ever made because you were afraid and see what it got you, more than likely you'll find that you've gotten more fear. They have said that fear finally is an idea. You know, everything though is an idea you know, that has been made so, made into form. My understanding is, because I ask this, because they say, you know, well, everything is source. Every, nothing can be outside of God or whatever you want to call God except that which you put there. And what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness, which is the big conundrum. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what about fear? You know, is fear of God? And they say, yes, it's fear is of God too. It just doesn't know it. It just doesn't agree to it. You can re-know anything as of source and transmute it or reclaim it or lift it to a higher octave, which is what they're teaching now and in, in, in their teachings on alchemy. Okay, so this octave. Mm -hmm. This is also one of those parallel teachings that a lot of other channelers, in a sense, have talked about in other ways, especially when it comes to our consciousness being at a certain octave. Mm -hmm. So as humans, we resonate at a certain level on this octave, correct? Mm -hmm. My, this is how I understand it. You know, I didn't know that other people talked about octaves until somebody told me that it was Gurdjieff, the teacher, talked about octaves, or maybe it was somebody else. But I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I just assume they talk about octaves because I flunked science, you know, and they don't talk dimensions and things like that. <laughs> they use the word dimensions on rare occasion, but they do stay with octave. And they say, you know, the language of science that you're using today will one day be outmoded. It will be replaced by other things. But they say that we're operating in a collective field, which is an octave, it has its high and low notes, but everything exists in this music that we're aligned to vibrationally. So if you think about it in terms of tone and vibration, our world, our reality is a shared structure that exists in an octave. What they say that they're doing with us is transposing the music that we are to play in a higher octave. And they say that any piece of music can be sung in a higher octave into infinity. You know, the note C exists beyond what the ears can comprehend or even our idea of time. You can keep continuing with it. So we've been moored in this collective field and what the guides are doing, if I'm to understand the teaching, is they're supporting us in moving beyond sort of this false ceiling that we've all been bound by about our potential and how we might re-know ourselves. The guides teach it as what they call the upper room. You know, it's the next octave up. And they can bring us there and they can teach us how to go there. We can have these experiences there, which are extraordinary. 
I mean, I've never gone to the upper room in, in consciousness and been frightened. It doesn't exist there. It's an extraordinary feeling. But we're so sort of moored by experience and our ideas of who we are, who we should be, and all the stuff that the collective holds that we keep coming right back down to the basement. And so they're teaching us how to maintain and to lift. Um, you know, and, and some of this is really quite simply releasing the attachment to who we think we are or what we should be. The guides say should is always based in history. You can't have a should without something that precedes it to compare it to. And so, you know, when you get rid of that, you can begin to move into this idea of the universal now, the eternal now that they speak of, you know, which is what they, where they say all things may indeed be known. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now. Wow. So in these human suits, we can, I guess, I, I'm going to say the word ascend or just rise up to this upper room in these human suits now because it's That's what not about. That's what they're teaching. And I didn't get it for a long time. But the claim, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth, which is actually an attunement mm -hmm. that they've worked with for some time, is inclusive of form. And the form is the what. So I know what I am, the manifestation of the divine in form. Now, if you're this, everything is that. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? They say that we've been very stuck in a paradigm where if, you know, if there is something like a God or whatever you want to call that, it's somebody up there in a cloud and we're stuck here in the mud. And the guides say, well, God is the mud. It's not just the pretty things, it's all things. Source is expressed as all things. And the realization of that is what moves you beyond this sort of you know, belief in separation. Um, that's how I understand it. I mean, it's a more complicated teaching. But the work that they do with the body is very much to support the body in its expression as the conduit for the higher octave. And that's very much a part of their teaching. Um, there's a teaching in one of the books called The Echo. And, you know, they say it very simply, you know, what you bless blesses you in return, what you damn damns you back. But, and they say you can't lift anything that you're damning to what they call the upper room. You can't transcend because what you damn damns you back, calls you down to the lower. But they, I was teaching at the Esalen Institute in California, and they were dictating, I think it was the Book of Truth, which was like the, the fifth book. And at one point, they had everybody go out onto the lawn and stand like 10 feet apart from a partner. And they began to claim the inherent divinity in the form. So they'd have you claim your partner, I know what you are in truth with the focus on the realization of the inherent divinity of form. And then they invited us to feel what they call the echo. And you literally feel the waves of energy coming back at you. It's almost like sonar waves, you know? And it's astonishing to feel. And that was the beginning of the understanding that what they were teaching really was a form of transmutation, for lack of a better word, or a lifting. You know, ascension is a word that the guides use once in a while. I think it's it's one of those words that landed in the pop culture. You yeah. Know, spiritual, <laughs> spiritual jargon tends to be reductive and mean whatever somebody wants it to mean for their own purposes. And 
and I, you know, the language is useful and we need to have a common vocabulary at times, but you know, they're speaking about what they call it is re-articulation. That's the word that they use, which I prefer, you know, to be re-articulated, to be spoken, to be re-known, to be re-seen. They're working lightly with the claim, behold, I make all things new, which I assume is their next book, which is the with the attunement of the next book, it's really trippy. But it's you can literally work with that and feel everything lift around you. It's it's quite astonishing. And when you're with a hundred people in a room and they're all doing it, and you can literally feel the energy lift. Yeah, it's it's really kind of remarkable. I don't understand it. You know, I'd like to understand it. I just spent a couple of days. I was actually in California for a few weeks, but I spent an afternoon with a, a neuroscientist who wired me up to her machines to see what was going on in my brain. And I was so curious, you know, about, I, was, I, I don't know what, you know, I, I, I have all the data now on my computer. I have to, to figure out what it all means because I was so curious. But, you know, I understand that there is phenomena attached to this work and people experience it, which I'm glad that they do, because I don't really want anybody deferring to me. I just, I just don't have emotions for it. And I don't want it, and I'd rather just, you know, mind my business. <laughs> but, you know, if people have their own experience of this stuff, then it's theirs. Then they can go run with it, have their own experience, and and hopefully learn to trust themselves, which I think is far more important than trusting somebody else you know, in relation to one's own development. Uh, amen to that. That's why I had that initial question earlier about people tuning into guides or I don't like to say their own guidance team because it's like we all probably, I mean, as we all are all one, we're all sharing one and we're all probably part of that too. But it's not about channeling, but it's just being able to connect. Like you, you have asked your guides before, like, is this a good idea? And they said, to you, that would not be wise, mm -hmm. something like that. And I'm like, imagine if we could all just hear that before we make a move, like what would? I think we can. I think we have different ways of, of innate knowing. Yeah. You know, when I was in academia, you know, I used to be on conference calls all the time with, you know, eight people, you know, fighting for resources, the small college, you know, all that stuff. And once in a while I would say something and I would feel the energy in the room just go thump. <laughs> the wrong thing. I just alienated everybody. Nobody said a word. People were being polite, but you could feel the energy change. And I think we all have barometers and ways of knowing. I use that example of the guides not sort of telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can hear, not, I, I generally hear not wise. Um, when I ask questions, which is steering me, but remembering that I'm the final authority with yeah. joy. You had the free will. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I get a little nervous sometimes, and maybe it's just my stuff, you know, when people are, are being instructed and told what to do. And I, I mean, I think it depends on, <clears throat> you know, who you're listening to. You know, I sometimes use the example, you know, my grandma was married four times, and she's on the other side, and she's probably not who I want to go to for relationship advice. You know, just because she doesn't have a body doesn't mean she's figured out how to be in a good relationship. So, you know, I, I think that there are ways that we can know. The guys that I work with, 
are very big on supporting people and being in their knowing. And they talk about it a lot and they say, you know, your knowing and your thinking aren't necessarily the same thing. And they're saying, when you think you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. when I, they, they do this exercise sometimes where they invite people to go to a memory, a time when they knew something to feel what it was like in the body to know and make a sort of a mental check on that one and then go to something that they think. I think I know what I'm having for dinner next Thursday. I think I know what the weather's going to be like in three days. I think I know how long my relationship will last or how secure my job is. And what you find quickly is that when you're thinking, there's always a question attached. When you're knowing, there's not. Mm-hmm. You just know. And I hear when you know, you're, you're supported and acting on that knowing, even if the knowing is not to do a damn thing. That's plenty. So I think that, and I think that that's something that we can become accustomed to. It's it's a muscle in some ways, our our intuitive nature, but it's often ignored, and we're often told to you know look at the facts. I, I'll tell you this story because it was an easy one. You know, I woke up one morning about four and a half years ago, and I knew it was time to quit my teaching jobs. I just knew it. I've been at NYU for twenty five years. You know, as a career, and I had you know retirement money and you know all benefits and all these things and it's like I'm going to walk away from all this and go off and be a channeler you know and but I knew it was time and instead of acting on that knowing I called every psychic I knew on the eastern seaboard my accountant my financial everybody you know and to, to you know to give me the 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 information permission slip <laughs> yeah. and i made myself sick for about four or five months until i quit and then i was okay do you know what i mean but the rational self was saying you're crazy don't do this makes no sense but i knew it was time and so i did it oh my gosh when you said as well like you're always supported when you listen to your knowing i think that is so profound because I went back to a memory that was like a few months ago. And if I had, I had this knowing the whole time, but my mind was creating only stories as to why I should yada, yada, yada. So I listened to that, even though I had this deep knowing, I knew I just wouldn't listen to it because it was totally not coinciding with what my mind was telling me. And I was like, uh, painting another picture versus what my knowing was. And um, not that I regret it at all because Again, there's nothing to ever be ashamed of or fully regret as, you know, it's part of the human experience, whatever. But yeah, it's just, it was just another reminder. Like I have this knowing to listen to. And for me, my languaging really lives in my gut. I mean, that's where I like, I feel it mostly. It's just, it's just so prominent there. Um, and if I'm not listening to it, it will, <laughs> it will definitely act up. And of course the heart as well but I'm very dominant in the gut. And I know a lot of people might say they're dominant in the heart or yada, yada, but really we just have something around us in our field, I guess. It could be anywhere in our body where we just have our own languaging, where we just know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, but when we don't listen to that knowing, keeps us in this lower octave, I guess, or lower part of the octave. Yeah, well, the small self, like I'd say, knows itself through history. You know, that's all it has to go on. Mm. So it's not the intuitive self. So it doesn't know any better. It does its best with what it has. And I think that's fine. 
So I don't know that if it if it if it moors us to the lower. I, I every time that I haven't listened, and there have been some doozies, <laughs> and I just knew it was like, don't sign that contract. Twice I signed the contract. I knew I shouldn't sign. Don't sign the contract. I paid brutally for it in terms of my sense of well-being or mental health or professional life. But I learned from those things. And as you said, you know, we're here to learn. This is, everything's an opportunity. And hopefully, you know, the next time that happens, I'll listen. You know, you know, it, it, what, you know the true stuff isn't necessarily what we want to hear. <laughs> no. You know, it's not necessarily convenient. And, you know, we're taught what we should aspire to and who we should be like or want to be like. And mostly that's just, you know, pop culture. It's a load of stuff. It doesn't have any meaning except what we what we give it. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we enhance at least one of our skills or at least learn one new skill this new year. Why not? It's 2020. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, today's sponsor, Skillshare, who has been with Euro Magic for quite some time, is making great effort to make sure that we explore new skills, and up-level our creativity this year by taking one or multiple classes they offer. And they offer thousands of classes in illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. Now, there are two that are part of their top classes of 2019 that I'm extremely interested in, which A, Real Productivity, How to Build Habits That Last, taught by Thomas Frank, because I'll be honest, sometimes I can procrastinate and not be the most productive if I feel like walking in a forest for a bit, or also B, let's say I want to take pictures in that forest, well, there's Instagram-worthy photography, shoot, edit, and share with Brandon Wolfell, which is a 70-minute class, but you know, each mini class each lesson is of course much shorter than that so you get to take your time with it and you'll learn how to shoot at golden hour which is where most of my recent shots on the gram were shot during that time because there's something about the essence it captures your goddessness in some way you know what i'm saying and also he teaches us how to retouch on photoshop which I haven't really used. I honestly been using what apps. I'm into it, but it'd be nice to take it to the next level. And mo- a lot of those pictures on my Instagram right now <laughs> are actually shot on an iPhone. And they even have an iPhone photography class. I should indeed watch some of those lessons or just take the whole class. That class also teaches you how to use Lightroom, which I know a lot of my photography friends use. I, on the other hand, again, I've just been using the apps. (laughs) Skillshare is offering classes that are really designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward, take these short classes to fit your busy life, and create real projects, and also get support from fellow creatives so you can accomplish real growth. <laughs> Explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash your own magic, where you get two months for free of a premium membership. That's skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. 
two months for free for Skillshare's premium membership. Enjoy. I'm almost 30, but yet I discovered, not discovered, but I feel like I just started really getting into this path, like just diving into spirituality about five years ago, like mid twenties it hit. And I'll still be heavily influenced for sure by society and culture. And I'm thinking like, wow, does that keep me in a lower vibratory field at times? I'm going to just use another spiritual pop culture world ascend and descend Mm -hmm. does that make you descend sometimes i don't know that it makes us descend i think i mean the guys were teaching last night i was doing a live stream and they talked about you know stepping in fear like making choices in fear and they they gave the image of sort of somebody walking down a pathway and they you know they get they stick their foot in tar and they end up tracking the tar with them you know the trajectory made from that choice until they choose something other, you know, or they rectify the choice. Now, those are things that can be learned through. I don't know that it's that you're descending. <laughs> In some ways, what most of us are doing, I think, without even knowing it, is we're in very unconscious agreements to sets of rules, which are really cultural mores, you know, you know, we, we aspire to be wealthy. Why? You know, why did he, why, you know, because it's better, you know, and the guys have said, well, you know, the millionaire and the beggar on the street are both learning lessons of abundance in very different ways, but it's you who make one higher than the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know what somebody comes here to learn or the best way to learn. So, but, you know, we have all these things that we're taught to want or be like, and, you know, the guides teach, you know, I know how I serve is a claim of truth, but they say how one serves is how one is most fully expressed as the true self. And, you know, in the U.S., everybody thinks it's their career. What's my career? That's how I serve. Perhaps, perhaps not. Perhaps it's how you smile at a stranger on the street. You know, perhaps it's how you show up most fully for your life and are an example to others. You know, it may not look like you think it should, but the think it should tends to be part of, you know, the tribal agreement about what one is supposed to desire or want. Mm. How do we inspire or just even in ourselves strip away, let go of these societal ideals? Well, the claim that the guides work with, and it's one of the attunements they work with, is the claim, I am free. Mm. And now they say that's not spoken. None of the attunements are spoken by the personality self. It's the guides say it's the true self that knows. The small self thinks the true self knows. So the true self knows who it is, knows what it is, and knows how it serves. My personality self may have an agenda that's very different, but the true self, they say, knows. And the guides also say the true self is free. It's not actually bound by any of this stuff. So as you begin to align to that aspect of self and realize that aspect of self, it's not like you're running around cutting the cords to everything. You're just no longer in resonance to it. And then it's not as important. I don't think there's anything wrong with being comfortable. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being healthy. I think they're all positive things, you know? But I do think that if one makes one's self-worth dependent on those things, 
probably missing the boat. You know, it's a kind of idolatry. So, you know, who am I if I'm not in a relationship? Who am I if I'm not beautiful or young or successful or esteemed? You know, these are, these are finally ways of knowing the self. You can learn through any of those things. But we're the ones who decide one is preferable or better than the other and it should be aspired to, you know? Yeah. I don't know that that's true at all. <laughs> Man, this is a deep messaging for a lot of listeners, including myself right now, and it's beautiful. And I thank you. Thank you. And this is coming from your understanding of what the guides have told you, but also from Paul. So I appreciate it. You know, I don't know. I'm not... I'm a better student of the work that I think I used to be. I do think I'm benefiting from this. I do think it's been a challenge for me because it's coming through me and who the hell am I? You know, I mean, that's part of, part of my journey with this stuff. But I, you know, I, the guides are pretty consistent in their teaching and they say, you know, we're not who we think we are, we're far more. And what we've been settling for is simply an idea. And I, I think that we give one another permission. You know, the one thing that I do do consistently is show up for this work, often when I don't want to and in spite of myself. And I've learned to do that. And I think that there's a level of skill one develops for, with anything when one shows up consistently. And I think that my wiring and how my whole energy system works has been refined through a lot of years of showing up even when I was just showing up for a small group of people who gathered in my living room once a week, which is what I did for, you know, close to 20 years. So, but I think, I think it's here for everybody, you know, I really do. But I do think that we harm one another and ourselves by assuming who we should be, you know, and should is the destructive word. Who we are is frankly what we have to offer, truthfully. That's the gift we bring. Is there a way, or how can I phrase this? Um, so if we were to perhaps unplug for a while, unplug from Instagram, the television, society, just to tune in, how do you think that that might benefit us hearing or feeling the truth? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I'm tempted to like go up on social media now because somebody posted a quote about this <laughs> from the guy, exactly this. And I'd forgotten. I thought, oh, this is a really great quote. <laughs> and I'd have to paraphrase it. They said, you know, basically, and you know, there's long been a precedent of people shutting themselves off into abbeys to, you know, or convents or ashrams, places to go to become separate from the world to develop. And they said, finally, you know, you have to realize. And they said, and nowadays people do that by not watching the news. That's the, the people have these tactics to sort of separate from what they don't want to see. But the guides say, finally, it's the opportunity to realize the divine in all things. They said, then the world becomes the abbey. The world becomes you know, the, the church, whatever you want, the ashram, the, the temple, whatever, mosque, it doesn't matter. So I don't know. I mean, I have an Instagram account. I don't wish I didn't. I don't 
do my own postings most of the time even, but you know, I appreciate it and that it's, it, it makes the work accessible to people and I have friends and I like to look at their lives, but I also know I'm not my Instagram account. You know, I mean, that much I know. I know that that's an idea. And, you know, I, I, let, me, let me ask the guides if unplugging is a good thing. I'm going to ask the guides on this. Feel free, I'm open. They're saying we would like to say several things. It's not about an Instagram. It's not about an Instagram account or anything other, or anything other than Instagram. It's about how you show up fully for your life. And if you're operating in distortion, I should be like this or that. I should be like this or that. You are camouflaging yourself. You are camouflaging the true self, hiding behind an idea of who you should be, hiding it behind an idea of who you should be when you can show up fully and express. When you can show up fully and express and express, I have come, 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 the true self announcing its presence, the true self announcing its presence. So many of your concerns are gone. On how you are seen, how you are seen, or what you are striving as, or what you should aspire to be seen as. These things become released. These things become released. They are gone. They are gone. They have no mandate. They have no mandate at the level we are teaching you. At the level, <coughs> pardon me, we are teaching you if you gift your life, if you gift your life in service, in service, which simply means to full expression, which simply means to full expression, fully done for you, it will be done for you if you think you are your ideas. If you think you're your ideas of who you should be, of who you should be or should aspire to be like, or should aspire to be like, you are playing games. You are playing games. You will tire of them, we hope. You will tire of them, we hope. You are not the photograph of yourself. You are not the photograph of yourself that you present to the world, that you present to the world. You are far more than that. You are far more than that if you confuse yourself in this way. And if you confuse yourself in this way and seek to perpetuate image and seek to perpetuate image at the cost of truth, at the cost of truth, you will pay the price for that. You will pay the price for that. What is the price? Yes. What is the price? He asked self-deceit, self-deceit, the others, the attempt to deceive others with an idea of self, with an idea of self, finally is an attempt to deceive self, finally is an attempt to deceive the self and preclude the truth and preclude the truth that seeks to shine through you, that seeks to shine through you, period. And you're saying period. <sighs> well, that was their, their appearance. <laughs> that was the, when they show up, they usually have something to say. So they're always present in the back. Well, I hope that they hear thank you, which I'm sure they do. <laughs> I have tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that was beautiful. And I think that that's interesting to hear that there's a cost. I don't want to say what I'm going to say, actually. That doesn't feel right. But <laughs> thank you for that. Are you, Paul, open for a rapid fire round? Sure. But before we do that, do you have anything else you want to share? Nope, I'm fine. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and are you sure you want to do a rapid fire round? I don't know what the rapid fire, I don't know what I'm saying yes to, so. <laughs> Basically, I'm just going to ask a really simplest question and then you can just shoot it out or you can take your time and marinate in it. That's why instead of, it's actually, I call it random fire now instead of rapid fire. All right. Yeah. So do you know your zodiac sign? I think Scorpio, Scorpio rising moon and Leo, I think. Ooh, that's, a, that's a powerful combination, actually. Um, chocolate or vanilla? It depends on the day. <laughs> Fair enough. But let's just say it's a hot day and you're going for ice cream. Vanilla. 
Okay. Yeah. Same. Ocean or forest? Ocean. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're Scorpio. Um, so let's see. Oh, favorite meal? Spaghetti, which I'm not supposed to eat. Why? <laughs> carbs. I like my carbs. That's too, too, too off, too much. Have you, the guides ever told you about their mind's relationship with food? Not enough. That's not, that's not been one of their subjects with me, but I suppose I could go there with them sometime and see what they have. Yeah, maybe. But you're, you're, you're giving the world a lot right now. So I think you're fine. You can hold on that one. Um, a place you'd love to visit. I'd like to, I'd like to go to the Himalayas. <gasps> I was just there. I, I was just trekking Nepal, Annapurna, mm -hmm. and I did read pockets of some of your book on there on the trek too. I carried your book, the thick, the love and creation one though, Book of Love and Creation. It's a thick book to carry on a trek. Uh huh. It is. Fortunately, I had porters, so <laughs> they carried it. <laughs> what is your favorite place in the world you have already visited? Probably Esalen where I go in Big Sur, California to teach. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. One of my closest friends lives right near there and she encourages me to go just for Esalen. It's worth it, yeah. <laughs> what would you write on your tombstone? He tried. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the universe, gave you free billboards to just share one message across the main highways and major cities all around the world, what would the billboards read? I'm single, I'm available, <laughs> probably like that, you know. <laughs> my guides don't care, but maybe there's somebody like, you know, in Skokie driving past that, you know, has an idea for me. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> You say your guides don't care. Have you asked your guides about your own soulmate and love? Not, you know, it's tricky for me to read for myself. I don't like to do it because, you know, I can get in the way. If I have an agenda uh, that's personal, I'm not going to be an accurate read. But I'm getting better with it. I actually, now I sit down and write it and pretend that I'm listening for somebody else. So they haven't given me anything Accurate, not accurate. They haven't given me anything I wanted to hear, put it that way, on this subject for some time. It might be time to ask them again. Yeah, it's time to ask them again. Fair enough. Fair enough. So people go to you for a reading for information on their soulmate? No, I mean, I can, they call me a medium for the living. So if you're estranged from your partner um, or you can't find a partner, I can probably tell you why you can't find it or why you're estranged and what your partner is needing from you or for yourself to know where you're getting caught up in some stuff. So that I'm very good with. That's the psychic work. Um, most people come to me for the workshops that I do, which I do all over the world. The guides come through and teach and get everybody attuned. And I live stream on, on Wednesday, most Wednesday nights. The guides are teaching and taking questions online and um and people come from all over the world for that and that's great fun it's what i used to do in my apartment for you know 10 people now there's you know quite a large number and it really is the same work it's the laboratory for the guides and their and their their students that's amazing i'm gonna definitely attend one maybe this wednesday maybe or i guess it'll be next wednesday 
but you do have private readings as well, yes? Or? I do privates, yeah. It takes a while to, to get them, but that information's up on my website, which is just my name, paulselling.com. And of course, that's all in the show notes as well. So this is the last question that I ask all the Your Own Magic guests. How would you advise the Your Own Magic listeners to create their own magic? Trust, trust the potential that there's more than you see, more than you've known, more than you've figured out already. Trust that there's more to be known. Open to wonder. That's where everything happens. Mm. <sighs> Paul, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, this has been a very powerful moment for me. Trust me. So I deeply appreciate you, appreciate your guides, and just appreciate all the work that you're sharing with the world. But yeah, thank you. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Dear yummies, thank you so much, so, so much for lending your ear and taking time, valuable time for your soul to listen to this episode today. I am honored to provide this for you and I hope something in this spoke to you and shifted you in some way. I would love to personally connect with your soul on, well, of course, IRL, but also on the Instagrams or the Facebooks. My Instagram, which I am finally active on, is at Raquel Mantra, that is spelled R-A-Q-U-E-L-L-E Mantra. I'll put that in the show notes. I make sure to not only see and respond to all the comments, but also send love back to you because why not? And then for you to also connect with me and this powerful tribe of like-minded individuals, high-vibing individuals to, to raise your vibrations, feel free to join us in the Your Own Magic secret Facebook group. That will also be left in the show notes. And feel free to browse yourownmagic.life. I have some free guided meditations on there and more information about upcoming retreats and events. And of course, my offering, my service is the Soul Tribe exclusive site, which is $44.44 USD. This is for life for you to receive many meditations and the most recent one was to help you reprogram your subconscious mind to see your highest potential in a hypnotic state. For example, like reprogramming your subconscious mind to see your highest potential while you're in a hypnotic state, along with others like activating your third eye or short, simple ones to ease you into your morning or alleviate anxiety and a lot of deep imaginings, which I love to do personally, is to just visualize and expand my imagination so I can be more creative in my day. In addition to that, other soul-expanding journalings to ask yourself every morning and magic challenges and other spiritual rituals, yada yada. (laughs) Anyway, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening and have a magical day.